Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's work. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, what's up, everybody? How we doing? Okay, no, 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 no. You got an extra hour of sleep last night. You got to have more than that. What's up, everybody? How we doing? All right, that's good. Hey, real quick, before we jump in and start... Uh, here's what we did. We're starting this brand new series called Thanks. And so we just decided as a staff to make this like unofficial volunteer appreciation Sunday because we have the most incredible volunteers at Canton Church. So here's what I want you to do. If you are a volunteer in any capacity in our church, whether it be Sunday or Wednesdays or life groups or community outreach or whatever, if you serve anywhere throughout our church, would you stand real quick? Stand, 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 stand. Hurry, 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 hurry. Look around at this group of people. Absolutely. Great job. You guys can have a seat, man. We love you so much. We're so thankful for you. And right up front, man, if we're starting to talk about thanks and being thankful, I want you to know that Corey and I and our staff, we're so thankful for you. Uh, we tried to put some extra sweet treats in each of your team huddles today. So if you serve at 11, when you get to your huddle, you need to go ahead and get there quick because uh, those donut holes, well, they're munchkins because it's Dunkin' Donuts, but I'm a Krispy Kreme guy, so I call them donut holes. But they're in your huddles. Uh, but we just love you and we're so thankful for you. And if you're looking for a place to connect, uh, we'd love to have you jump on one of these serving teams. We, we have folks serving, and you saw some of them. Uh, about 50% of our church is serving right now, and there's a place for you. So jump online, go to our serving page, or jump into Canton, uh, Canton Life in two weeks and find out more about that. You know, it's crazy that it's November already. I cannot believe it's November. I think part of the reason that I can't believe it's November is because of the weather. It's like one day it's 27 degrees, and the next day it's 127 degrees. Like, it doesn't seem possible that it's November, but what I love about November, like, I get that Halloween happened and all that. What I love about November is it really feels like we're getting into the holidays. There are some things about November that I just absolutely love. One of those is we're getting really close to college basketball season. Um, I'm a college basketball fan. I know some of you are not, uh, but I love college basketball. My favorite college basketball team is North Carolina Tar Heels. I was I like Tennessee football. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. So we'll have some viewing parties this season and pray them through. But uh, I'm a Tennessee football fan, really, because most of my early life, really, North Carolina did not have a football team, and they still don't. So I had to have a football team to cheer for. And when I was 13, I moved to Tennessee. I met a girl who lived in Knoxville, and I fell in love with both of them, really, is what happened. Uh, Tennessee football and, and Corey, usually in the other order. But uh, so North Carolina basketball is my college basketball team. So I love that college basketball is starting. I love daylight savings time. Like this, this whole like extra hour of sleep, uh, it, it lingers for me for a couple of days. I just feel refreshed. And, and usually I stay up later on Saturday night anyway, so I don't actually realize the extra hour of sleep. But I love that. Uh, I just, I love when it starts to get cool, which hopefully will happen at some point in the next two months. So I really do love when it gets cool. I love Black Friday. Um, the day after Thanksgiving, now I'm not one of those that's like, you know, you eat the turkey and you're out at Walmart in four minutes. Like I, I, I think we should, it should be at least Friday um, before that to happen. But man, I really do like shopping and, and going with Corey to find amazing deals. Like the last couple of years, I don't know if you know this, but evidently the hottest Christmas item every year the last three years has been bed sheets. I don't know if you know this, but like every store, they're like 98.5% off on Black Friday between the, the minutes of 3.17 a.m. and 3.21 a.m. Really, in that spot is where the bed sheets are uh, off, a, a, lot, a lot off there. So, but I love Black Friday. It's a lot of fun to kind of, you know, follow the deals and where you think they're going to happen. And so I love that. But I also love Thanksgiving. 
I really do. I love Thanksgiving. Um, It's no secret if you've been attended here for any length of time, you've heard me talk about food from this stage pretty regularly. Um, I love it. I really do. Um, And so Thanksgiving is kind of the Super Bowl of eating is really how I view that holiday. I love Thanksgiving. And the thing that I love about Thanksgiving, I love family because I really, you know, it's, it's family get togethers and and that kind of thing. And so you get to kind of be with the people that you love and the people that you're supposed to love. And so that's always fun. But I also love this, like the smell of Thanksgiving. Like I just do. I don't know how, you know, what your family history was. I don't know what your Thanksgiving traditions are. But when I was a kid growing up, our Thanksgivings looked like something like this. We didn't get a whole week out of school like my kids do now that week of Thanksgiving. We went to school until at least Tuesday. Some years we went until Wednesday. And it was like school got out and we left wherever we were living because we moved a good bit when I was a kid and we always drove to North Carolina. It's why I'm a North Carolina Tar Heel fan because all of my family lives there. I was born in North Carolina, both sides of my family, my mom and my dad's family, they all live in North Carolina still. So wherever we were living, if I got out of school on Wednesday or I got out of school on Tuesday, we were driving to North Carolina. And here's how we would do it. This may not be your tradition, but we would split time between both sides of our family. Uh, one family would get like Wednesday and Thursday, uh, and then one family would get like Friday and Saturday, and then we'd take Sunday to drive back home. And so, man, I love it. And here's the thing about it. Scientists have proven that smell is one of the biggest triggers of memories. And so, like, let me just tell you that there are some things even now that I can smell, and it takes me back. Like, if I'm anywhere, anywhere, and I smell anything that smells kind of like sweet potato casserole, which let's just be honest for a second, that's just like dessert masquerading as a side dish. (laughs) But man, if I smell it, I am immediately back in my Meemaw and Peepaw Lanier's house. That's what I call them. It's like I could still be asleep on Thanksgiving morning, and it's like they had already started cooking, and it's like, oh. I can, I can, I can, I'm I'm right back in their living room right now, right now. If I smell anything that even remotely smells like what we call turkey hash, I don't know if you've got that in your tradition. It's kind of like a, I don't know, a casserole itself, but a stuffing maybe. I mean, if I smell anything like that, I'm back at me, mom, people, Isaac's house. A banana pudding. Oh, come on somebody, right? (laughs) Some of you are like, you're getting me hungry now. It's daylight savings. It's already like 11 in my head. But listen, smell. Something happens when I smell it. I'm just back. Well, today I want to talk about smell a little bit is really what I want to do. That's why we're here. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to spend some time talking about thanks. You know, leading up to Thanksgiving, I think that our ability to say thank you and and our, our ability to recognize the people around us and the things that they're doing for us, and the things that they have done for us, and really what God's done for us, and all the things, all the blessings in our life. I think sometimes we just kind of get busy, and we get into the routine of life, and we just forget. It's not usually intentional. We're not trying to withhold our thanks, but sometimes we just forget. And so we're going to spend the next three weeks really challenging this idea of gratitude and thankfulness. So if you've got a Bible, I would love for you to flip with me uh, over to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 Uh, There's several great passages within this one chapter, but there is a pretty famous story that is mentioned in several of the other Gospels, uh, really all four of the Gospels in different ways, uh, about a woman that interacts with Jesus here. And so here's what I want you to do. Even if you think you know this story, I want you to hang with me. We're going to read four or five verses here together, 
In Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen today. This is what it says. One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment or perfume, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, probably loud enough for other people to hear, by the way, because that's what Pharisees do, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. And then Jesus starts telling a story. We're not reading from the Bible right now. I'm going to summarize this part of the story for you. Jesus starts to tell a story to Simon, but really for everybody else in the room to hear. And he says to him, he says, Simon, let me tell you a story. There's a, a guy, there's a, a banker, and he's got two guys that owe him money. And in your scripture, it probably says denarii, but let's just use it in the dollars here. One guy owes him, let's just say $50,000. The other guy owes him $500. And then, as he comes to collect the debt, he realizes that neither one of those men can pay their debt, and so he just excuses both of their debts. And he says, okay, neither one of you have to pay me. It's totally fine. He asks Simon, he says, Simon, who do you think would love the banker more? Who do you think would be more thankful for what the banker had done for them? And Simon said, probably the guy that owed more. Probably the one that owed the 50000 He would probably love or be thankful to the banker more. And Jesus said, you're right. And then he points at the woman, but he's still talking to Simon, and he says, here's the deal. I came into your house, and you didn't let me wash my feet. Now, we don't, when, if you came to my house, I probably wouldn't help you wash your feet either. I probably wouldn't leave a basin by the door, hey, take your shoes off, wash your feet, it'll be great. I probably wouldn't do that either. But in that culture, in that day, because they wore sandals and everything was kind of dirt roads and all that, Anytime you entered into someone's house or you came in to a place of worship, you would take your shoes off, you would wash your feet, or the host would provide for himself or someone else to wash your feet, and then you would go and you would sit down at the table. Now, here's the deal. We're thinking table and chairs, but the reality in this culture was there weren't really chairs around the table. The table wasn't, you know, two or three feet off the ground, and you're having a chair that you sit in and you kind of move up underneath. No, no, no. The table was down very close to the ground. And so the reason that it would be important for you before you ate to make sure that your feet are clean is because you're kind of sitting with your feet very near the plate of food that you are eating and your guest. And some of you right now, you're no longer hungry from my banana pudding talk earlier. And so it was important. And, and so Jesus is saying to Simon while he points at this woman, he says, listen, I showed up. You didn't give me anything to wash my feet. And yet she took her tears and she washed my feet. He says, you didn't anoint my head. Like, you, you, didn't, you didn't do anything to make me feel special. They would have taken oil or an ointment or a perfume, and they would have given it to the people that were there in the house so that they could clean their face. You read throughout the Gospels when Jesus talks about different ways and where the, the law comes in and the instruction comes in when you're fasting or when you're praying or when you're with people. Clean your face. Put on a good countenance. And so he says, you didn't do anything. After a long day's journey or after I've traveled, you didn't give me anything to clean my face to anoint myself, to, to put oil on so that I felt good and we all felt good around this table. You didn't do that, and yet she came in and she gave me oil. She gave me perfume. She gave me an ointment so that I would be clean 
before I engaged in this meal. You didn't do that. She did that. So here's the deal, Simon. As you point to her and label her a sinner, here's what you need to know. He who loves much, right, has been forgiven much. And he who loves little is forgiven little. And this is what it says in verses 48 through 50. It says, And he said to her, to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I mean, there's so many good things that we could take out of this story. The fact that Jesus was eating with Pharisees. Pharisees were those people in the Gospels that were just super religious. Like, I don't know if you've been around those people, but they're the people that would rather win the argument and lose the relationship. They're the people that would rather tell you that you're wrong and not even extend the truth of the grace of God to you, like, yeah, you're, you're doing this wrong, or maybe you're not living right, or maybe there's some things you need to address. But guess what? There's hope, there's grace, there's forgiveness because of Jesus Christ. No, no, Pharisees are like, nope, you're just wrong. That's what religion is. That's what the Pharisees did. They actually started out as good people. They were people that were given the law, and they held on to the law, and they decided, if this is the way we please God, then we're going to make sure we please God really well. And so we're going to keep the law. And what happens is, when you are only concerned with the law, it turns into legalism. And legalism looks at you and says, grace for me, judgment for you. That's what legalism says. It says, God's grace is enough for me, but it's not quite enough for you. That's what legalism says. It says the thing that I struggle with is not really a big deal, but the thing that you struggle with, it's the biggest deal, and God can't save you. That's what legalism is. It's that God paid the price for your salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which we just participated in in communion, to remember that. And God, like, just imagine if you're standing at the gate, you're trying to get into heaven, and God just shows up and says, hey, I've already paid the price here. It was Jesus. Let him in. Pharisees, religious people, they're the people that are standing there going, no, 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 hold on, wait, wait. Yes, God did pay the price, but you also have to look like this, act like this, behave like this, talk like this, and do these 17 things. That's the only way you get in. That's just not the gospel. That's like the anti-gospel. That's like the extra gospel. It's not even true. God says, no, no, no. I already paid the price. So Jesus is sitting at the table with a Pharisee a religious person. Jesus is actually engaging in life with the people that you've unfollowed on Facebook. That's really who he's talking about, right? The people that you friend, you accept their friend requests so that they're not mad at you and then you unfollow them so you don't see their stuff, right? Like the people that you post something and then they come right on like immediately, like you're, you're, they're almost Facebook stalking you because you'd be like two seconds ago you posted this and then they're telling you why that's wrong. How, how could you share that link? How could you do that? Because like, you're wrong. I can't believe you're a Christian. I thought you believed this. I thought you did. I thought you... Those people. Jesus is sitting at their table. That's powerful in and of itself. That Jesus, Jesus even thought that grace extended to those people. Because here's what happens. I just describe them in a way that we would think, well, they're lost. <laughs> There's no hope for them. And yet there is. And yet Jesus sat at their table even while he interacted with this woman. So that's one powerful statement. And then you have this incredible story of this woman. She shows up. She had just gotten word that Jesus was there. We don't know how she got word. We don't know how news spread. 
But I'm assuming, based on the stories that we read in the Gospels, that Jesus had a pretty big following. And so wherever Jesus went, there were at least a few people around. And the houses there were, you know, weren't really, really large. And so if Jesus shows up with his entourage, his disciples, and those that are following after him, there's probably a crowd of people that are not in for the meal, but they're kind of standing around the house just waiting. And so say, like, hey, what's happening in there? Oh, Jesus is in there. Oh, Jesus, oh, that's cool. Jesus is down here at Simon's house. Oh, Jesus is down here at Simon's house. And she's just walking down the street, and she hears that Jesus is down there at Simon's house. And there's something that happens in her heart. There's something that happens in her in that moment because she recognizes, maybe based off what she had heard, what she had experienced, when she had walked upon his teaching, when she had experienced his grace towards her, and she says, I got to go. I got I to gotta get there. I would bet some of you have experienced something like that. I know I have. Moments when I just heard Jesus' presence is available to me. This is a day I've got to, I've got to be in church. This is a day I just need to, I need to cut out all the distractions. I need to just turn on some worship music, and I need to just open my Bible, and I need to just spend some time in the presence of God. Like, I just, I just, I got to do it. That was her motivation. She heard and so she comes running, and she shows up, and she doesn't even ask permission. Like, she just interrupts the dinner party. You ever been somewhere where somebody showed up that obviously didn't fit in? I'm usually that guy. I just kind of walk in, like, what's up? Hey, uh. Oh, we're, okay, we're praying. We're, okay. That's, that's, I'm usually the awkward guy. And I think that's what happens here. She just kind of walks in, and, and like, everybody's sitting down at the table with their feet kind of propped out beside them, Right? And she walks in, and she just kneels down behind Jesus, and she's bawling. Like, she's crying. And everybody's looking around like, why, why is she crying? Well, I don't understand why. Like, it's a dinner party. It's happy. It's, Jesus is here. This is an exciting moment. Like, why is tears running down her face so much so that when she leans over, the tears just drip off of her face onto his feet? which are dirty. And so she looks down and she sees that the dust of his feet has been disrupted by her tears. And she takes her hair. She probably unwinds it. She was probably wearing it up, so she unwinds it. And she takes her hair down and she takes the tears that are dripping down onto his feet and she takes her hair and she cleans the dirt off of his feet. So think about this. Now she's wearing his dirt. Huge imagery there. We'll get to that in a second. She's got mud in her hair from the dust of his feet and the tears from her eyes. And she takes an alabaster box of ointment. Some places in Scripture tell us that this box of perfume cost her as much as one year's wages. So just think in your head what you make in a year. Doesn't matter what it is. You make 500000 or 500. It's a lot to you. She was one year's wages for her. That's how, to, how much it costs for this one box of ointment. And the Bible tells us that she takes the ointment. Some places in Scripture tells us that she breaks the box. And the aroma fills the room. Fills the room. And she takes it and she anoints his feet. One translation, one place in Scripture where we read this story, it says that she took the oil and she poured it over his head and it dripped into his beard. 
everybody's just watching this happen. Like they're just, they were eating dinner. It's like this is, this is a good dinner party. And then she showed up. And here's the deal. She wasn't going to let what they thought about her stop her from doing what she felt was needed in that moment. Some of us, we are more concerned about what other people think about us than what we know is right between us and God. She just kept crying on his feet. And she just kept taking her hair and wiping his feet down. And she just took that box and she broke it. And she just kept taking this perfume, this expensive perfume, and just pouring it on him. And she didn't care. Because she knew that there was something about him that could change everything about her. Now, here's the the problem today for all of us in the room. Whether you've been walking with the Lord in relationship for a long, long time, or you're still trying to figure out if you even believe in him, his grace is what is required to make you whole. Not you being good enough not you going to church enough or being in a life group or giving. I prayed that a little. It's not those things. Like we can't build our own tower up to heaven. A bunch of people tried that in Genesis. It didn't work. God thwarted their plans because he wanted them to know that is not how you get to me. The story of the prodigal son is this really famous story. And what happens is this son comes to the father, says, I want what's mine. I want my inheritance. And I'm just leaving. So he takes his inheritance. He runs off to a distant country. He lives in sin. He squanders everything that the father gives him. He's in a pig pen one day eating what the pigs eat. And he says, this is crazy. I got to go back to dad. Even my father's servants eat better than I'm eating right now. Even they are taken care of better than I'm taking care of right now. And so he goes home. He's walking back home and he's practicing in his mind. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please forgive me. Let me be one of your hired servants. And here is the magic of the story of the prodigal son. Before he gets home, the father runs to him. The truth of that story is that you and I can't make it home on our own. The father has to come get us. That's the truth of the prodigal son. It's like the missing piece of the story of the prodigal son that we've always like, oh, the father was waiting on the, on the porch, just sees, sees him coming, and he just goes running to him. Yes, he does, but so does your father. He sees you. He sees when you're a long way off. He knows when you're hurting. He knows that you're trying to make it back to him, and he recognizes that you can't do it on your own. you got to have his help. And so he says, listen, I'll come get you. I'll send Jesus. When she saw Jesus... And she was the only one in the room that recognized that he was everything that she needed. Now, here's what I want you to think about before we finish up some thoughts here. According to one of the gospel translations, this happened just a few days before Jesus was arrested. It doesn't give us specific timelines here in Luke, but in one of the other translations, this was closer to the end of his life, according to the timeline that it lays out there in the gospel. So I want you to think about this. The perfume, the strong perfume was poured out in that room, poured on him, poured on his head, poured into his beard, on his feet. It got into his skin. Gets, I mean, just gets all in him. A few days later, they would be plucking his beard out, pulling his hair, put a crown of thorns on his head, 
He's sweating profusely, so much so that he's now sweat everything out of him, and it turns into blood. They hang him up on a cross, and people are screaming and yelling at him. Even people that seven days before had been screaming and yelling, here comes the Messiah. We love you. We worship you. We bow down to you. Seven days later, those same people are screaming, crucify him, crucify him, put him to death. I have to believe, this is not in the Bible, this is Jeremy just hoping, praying this is true. I have to believe that in those moments, as he's watching with his eyes some of these same people screaming and yelling at him, that as the wind picked up just a little bit and it kind of wafted through his beard, he just caught a little bit of the fragrance. Just a little bit as it just kind of came out of him, what she had put into him. So then that moment, if he needed it at all in his humanity... To know that even as everyone else was deserting him, there was a woman who got it. We come into these services, we come into these moments, and people lead us in worship, and they sing these songs, and we sing along with them. But sometimes we're so concerned because we don't want to sing too loud because the people around us will realize we can't sing. (laughs) And so we just kind of whisper along, and that's okay. We don't know the song, that's okay. But in that moment, she said, listen, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody's looking at. I recognize that I was once lost, but now I'm found. The beautiful name of Jesus that we've been singing about today is not just a word. It's everything to me. See, the Pharisees, they didn't recognize that he was even the one that could forgive sins. Back in verse 49, we read, it says, Who is this who even forgives sins? They were questioning that he even had the power to forgive. She wasn't concerned with theology. She wasn't worried about that. Like the reality is that if a man is drowning, he doesn't want to know what the Greek word for life raft is. He just wants somebody to throw him a life raft, right? So she's just like, listen, I'm going to work all this out later, but you're the guy. You're the guy. You're the one that heals, and you're the one that saves, and you're the one that forgives, and I'm drowning here. You ever been there? You ever been there? And the Pharisees were like, who who is this that even thinks that he could forgive sins? Well, the Bible tells us that he forgives sins in a bunch of different places. But what I love is in 2 Corinthians, where it says this in in chapter 5, verses 17 and verse 21. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Look at verse 21 about the role of Jesus in this equation. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The reality is that Jesus makes us new. He doesn't make us better. He makes us new. The old is gone. The new has come. Jesus makes us new. And this woman walked in saying, I got to be new. I got to be made new. There's an old me that I'm ashamed of and I'm guilty of and I want to let go. I don't want to just be better. I don't want to just be in the room with Jesus. I want to have a moment with Jesus. Everybody in the room smelled the perfume. Only two people smelled like the perfume. Jesus and this woman. You come into a room like this and we worship and we sing and You kind of see that things are happening and the presence of God is here. Do you just smell the worship? Or do you smell like the moment? Because you and Jesus have had a moment 
He's changed your life. He's forgiven you. He's doing something in your heart that will change you forever. That is why the story that Jesus told Simon was so important. Remember the story? He said there was a banker. There was a debt collector who came to find out if the guy that owed him 50000 and the guy that owed him five hundred could pay their debts. Oh, yeah, they couldn't. Remember? We can't. And so he forgave their debt. He asked Simon, who do you think would love the banker more? I want to change that question a little bit today. I want to ask you this, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ in the room, I recognize that not everybody in this room is. If you're a follower of Christ, I want to ask you this question. Do you even remember what it felt like to have your debt canceled? You remember? Do you remember when you remembered what old you was actually like? Because some of us have become really good professional Christians. We've walked with the Lord long enough that we're comfortable sitting at the table with him. We're comfortable being right there at the table and talking to him and laughing with him. We come in, we know what to say, what to do, how to act. We've got it figured out. But we've forgotten what it was like to remember old us. She didn't. I wrote this down this week as I was studying. I think they're going to put it on the screen. Often, the longer it's been since we were labeled a sinner, the less we remember all we have to be thankful for. Often, the longer it's been since we were labeled a sinner, the less we remember all we have to be thankful for. She remembered. Like, even Luke telling us the story said she was a woman of the city. She was a sinner. She wore a label. She had a label on. This is who she is. This is what she's done. This is her worst transgressions. These are the things she's ashamed of, and everybody knows it. She's got a little bit of a reputation. What label are you wearing? What label did somebody put on you? Maybe you put it on yourself. Maybe the enemies just continue to just kind of put that in your mind. This is who you are. This is all you'll ever amount to. This is all you're ever good for. This is your label. Because the longer we go, well, we don't remember that that's who we used to be, the less we remember all we have to be thankful for. So I'm asking God this week, like, Lord, help me remember. Help me stay so close to the mindset of gratitude and thankfulness for grace, for salvation, for forgiveness, for mercy, which are just really fancy words that say, God, I deserved worse than you gave me, and you gave me more than I deserved. Like, I just... God, thank you. Let me stay close to that. Let me just stay so close to that thought, that idea, that notion that you saved me. When we recognize our debts, it increases our gratitude. When we recognize our debts, it increases our gratitude. So today I want us to pray. I want us to pray, and there's really two groups of people that I feel like we need to pray today for. I think everybody in the room probably fits in both of, one of these categories. The first group would be people like Mary, a sinner. 
Maybe you came in today at the invitation of a friend or you saw us on social media somewhere or you just drove by or you get your nails done next door or whatever. You say, I'm just here and, and I, you know, as you talk about this, like I, there is no old me. It's just me. He's never made me new. Today, we want to offer you the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. We want you just to have that chance to say, God, I, I'm, I want to be made new. God, would you forgive me? I, I'm, I want to come home and I recognize that I can't make it back myself. And so, God, would you, just, would you just step off the porch and come get me? Just come meet me so that I know that I can be made whole and that you forgive my sins and you're the Lord of my life, leading and guiding and directing me. If that's you today, in just a minute, I'm going to pray for you. But here's what you need to know. Romans chapter 3 tells us that everybody in the room has been or is where you are right now. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard for living. You're not alone today. And so you should find comfort that there's community in what you're experiencing, but you also find comfort in knowing that you don't have to stay there. That God wants to save you, forgive you, heal your brokenness, and walk hand in hand with you through life. The second group of people today are believers. You prayed a prayer, you had a moment, you and Jesus. But maybe you just, it's been a while since you just thanked God. You just thanked him. Maybe it's been a while because you're, you're a little bit removed and you've forgotten what old you was actually like. And maybe you weren't all that bad in comparison to others. But guess what? You're not comparing yourself to others. You're comparing yourself to Jesus Christ, who we just read in 2 Corinthians, knew no sin. He was perfect. He was blameless. That's the standard. And so you and I all fall short. We just talked about that in Romans 3. And so you were dead. I was dead. I, I had a debt I couldn't pay. You had a debt you couldn't pay. And yet he walks up to us and he says, listen, I'm just going to wipe it clean. I'm just going to forgive your sins. All you have to do is receive it. So today, maybe you just say, hey, I'm a believer. I, it's not necessarily about salvation for me, but I just need to remember gratitude for the work of God in my heart and in my life. And I'm just going to kind of cut out the distractions and I'm not going to worry about what other people are saying or what other people are thinking as they recline at the table at the feet of Jesus. I'm just going to get a little messy if it needs it. And he, he wore my mess. And so I, I'm willing to just cry or worship or sing or lift my hands or pray or clap or kneel, whatever it takes, because I want him to know that I'm so thankful for what he did. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. God, today I thank you for everyone in attendance and those that may be listening on podcast at some point in the future. God, as they drive in their car, they're in their home, they're on the treadmill, or they're sitting in a seat right now, your grace is enough for them. And God, right now I pray for every person who identifies themselves as a sinner in need of a savior. They identify with Mary in this story because they know they wear a label. They know they're unclean. They know they need you. So God, today, would you gloriously save them 
would you forgive their sins with every head bowed and every eye closed? If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? You say, hey, I just need, I just need to be saved today. Thank you so much. You can put it right back down. God, I pray for every person right now to receive this free gift of salvation. God, heaven throws a party when even one lost person comes to find life in you. So God, we thank you for that celebration today. And God, now we pray for those in the room who identify themselves as followers of Jesus Christ. Would we never forget what you did for us? Would we never forget that you wiped our debt clean because we could not pay it ourselves? Would we never ever forget God grow our worship grow our gratitude God grow our sincerity as we seek after you let us get messy if it's needed let us throw away distractions and worry less about what other people think about us and worry only about you God as we enter into this season of thanksgiving let it start with you God, we're so thankful for all that you've done for us, all that you've done in us. And God, we thank you that you're not done with us yet. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga. 